Author Aaron McHugh lets us know that pickleball is life. This is The Focus Group. They're all business, except when they're not. It's The Focus Group with Tim Bennett and John Nash. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Focus Group. Tim Bennett here, as always, with my good friend and co-host, Mr. John T. Nash. We're The Focus Group. Find us here every Wednesday at 1 p.m. East, streaming on our Facebook uh, feed as well as our YouTube uh, feed as well. And then you'll find our audio version on Saturdays, but you can go to focusgroupradio.com and find all of our media house there as well that you can time shift at any time. And uh, we want to thank our friends at Deep Discount who uh, bring us to you each week as well. You'll find their logo when you're at focusgroupradio.com as well. There's some great sales going on, so click on them and start shopping away. John and I will tell you a little bit about what we found there this week as we're doing some holiday shopping. As I mentioned in the tease, we uh, have a special guest joining us today who was able to uh, to stop by and visit with us. Erin McHugh, many of you may remember who are fans of the show. She's probably one of the people who's been on our show the most. We were trying to figure out if she is. She's certainly in the top three. Oh, totally, totally in the top three. Yep. Yeah, author Erin McHugh. She has a new book out called Pickleball is Life. And uh, it's all about the the sport of pickleball. And she's... Uh, she stopped by to uh, talk to us about it, and uh, if you are going to be shopping for uh, holiday gifts, it's what it, she said. It's a gift. Does she call it a gift size book? I think you would you would either yeah, it's giftable. Tag, giftable. It's like one you, of those things you find right near the register. You know, yeah, point you, of you, sale. Right. You would. You would. Uh, I think you would coin that term, giftable or gift size book or something. <laughs> it's giftable. And what did she say? For twenty bucks, you can get uh, you get change back. Not too many things you get change back with a twenty dollar bill. Days. Yeah. So uh, it's it's a, all a tongue tongue in cheek or uh, in the history of pickleball, which uh, I've wanted to play, but I can't with my knee. But uh, it's really taken over. Although the game's been around since the '60s, yeah, it really has. Uh, it really has since the pandemic, I think, taken the world by storm because it's easy to learn. A lot of people can play. There's lots of ages, uh, young to old, that are playing it, and uh, so you'll you'll have to get out there and and will you will you try it, John? Oh, sure. I'm dying to try it, especially after, um, you know, looking at the book, you know, and it's, and by the way, Aaron's book is full of lots of pictures and stuff like that, but she's coming on a little bit later. So we'll let her tell you all about pickleball. Hey, have you, um, did you catch this article that appeared a while ago about, well, probably about a week ago about a woman who hit a golf ball into the Grand Canyon? No, no, it's apparently it happens all the time, but it is that, uh, so a, a the headline was a TikTok star hit a golf ball into the Grand Canyon. Here's how much that stunt cost her. So naturally, in the age of social media, this woman named Katie Sigmund, she hit a golf ball into the uh, Grand Canyon. I guess the hit was so strong, or I don't know what happened with, but she also the club went with it as well. So the the driver shaft flew into the canyon after the ball. Well, she posted it to social media and naturally. The National Park Association, because it's a federal land, got involved and, you know, she had to pay fines and they eventually dismissed the case after she paid them. But I just don't know why people think of doing these things. You know, it's a... Um, was she had one of those famous overlooks or something and decided she was going to hit a golf ball in there? Uh, let's see. It didn't really say. Hmm. It really just jumped into the fact that since it was posted, law enforcement was able to track her down pretty quickly. And it is a federal violation to do that. 
uh, you could, the, the, the fine could be up to 5,000 max and six months in prison, but she got off with a $285 fine, which included a $60 processing fee. <laughs> I wonder what the, uh, is it a littering thing or is they, what is, what's the concern? Uh, yes, correct. The three charges were for tossing items into the Grand Canyon, littering and creating hazardous conditions with disorderly conduct. She was only cited for disorderly conduct and tossing or throwing items into the canyon, which carry a maximum fine of 5000 But I I come back to this. This I read this, and I, it wasn't worthy of caught my eye, in my opinion. But um, I wonder about people's judgment. I mean, we, we've heard the stories about people falling backwards, taking the ultimate selfie, or they'll go off a cliff, or, you know, like, right. they'll get injured. And I... I would it ever cross your mind if you're visiting the Grand Canyon to say, hey, I think I'm going to hit a golf ball in the Grand Canyon? Well, she must have got the idea from somewhere. But I, I guess my concern would be if somebody was down there. Now, the chances of you hitting them would be tough. But, you know, <laughs> well, I no, went on. Tim, you're, I, you're I, right. I went on a five-day rafting trip in the Grand Canyon. Yes, you and loved it. Well, when we, when, we, when we were leaving, um, I had taken a little stone from the river. So on, our, on our last day, we'd gone to this falls finally to get cleaned up. And um, the group of us were talking, and I thought, well, you know, you're not going to, we were in the Grand Canyon, you're down there. And somebody found a little arrowhead or whatever, so I just took this little stone and put it in my pocket, and the other kid took something, and a group of us. And the guide is watching this all go on, and then before we get into the raft to leave, and we're going to go into the, to the lake to get finally picked up by this powerboat and then be taken, taken away out of the canyon, he said to all of us, okay, empty all your pockets out and put everything back that you had, had picked up. And I mean, it was a tiny little pebble. And I said, what are you talking about? He goes, well, you're not allowed to take anything out of the canyon. And I said, well, why? He goes, well, what if everybody did that? I'm mm -hmm. looking around. Well, first of all, it'd be like, you know, it's like the moon. I mean, what do you mean, what if everybody did that? You mean there's rocks everywhere? Well, I mean, you know, it's it's thousands. Like, it feels like it's 10 miles down, right? You're in this canyon. But um, he said that, what if everybody took something out, everyone that came to visit? Took a souvenir, yeah. I said, well, that's probably how it got to be a canyon. But um, <laughs> No, if you were paying attention to your guide, you'd know otherwise. But I see your point. But, yeah, you weren't allowed to take anything. Yeah, so he, you know, I guess that's the rules. That's the so rules. if you go to a, yeah. I guess if you go to one of those parks, you're not, you're not supposed to take anything. Nope. Nope. So. Although Tim, uh, we went to Craters of the Moon National Park, which did is we all, take anything? I don't think which so. Which is a sea of lava. Um. No. I don't believe so. No. Didn't. I guess we could have taken a piece of lava, right? No one would have known that, right? I mean, it was a field of lava. I well, mean, nobody would have known this tiny pebble, John. <laughs> out of the river. Out of the riverbed. Now, now, by the way, this article, this little mention about the golf ball and the golf club going to the canyon was supposed to be one of those, how are you, you know, don't do that. And you come back with, well, I tried to take a pebble out of the Grand Canyon. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah. No, so I don't, well, I, yeah, I, I was, you're, you're one, I, I'm wondering about that though, that craters on the, what was it craters called? Craters of the moon. Craters of the moon. And I don't, I don't remember that we took anything from there. Like it never, we, we, I remember we walked around, took a lot of pictures. In fact, it was a lot of great pictures we took there. Did we take anything on that trip? Cause we were in a lot of national parks. No, I mean, we, we didn't take any, things. we didn't take anything from, yes, from Ra no. Rushmore or you didn't nope. take anything from the, from the, the close encounters place, which was, um, devil's tower. Nothing. No, well, I mean, we bought stuff and we took pictures, but we, it never, yeah, we were, 
We are also on a very tight schedule, as you recall. And I wonder if there were signs. Did Were there signs to say you're not allowed to take anything? I don't remember a single sign. I do remember plenty of signs staying, uh, saying the, the necessity to stay on the trails, especially with Craters right. of the Moon, because that lava was really sharp in some areas. But no, I don't remember any... Um, I don't remember any sign of saying, hey, don't do this or don't do that. Yeah. I mean, or at least for taking things. Huh. That's interesting. I, I, hmm. Okay. I'm going to have to go back and check that. I'm surprised we wouldn't have taken a piece of, a piece of lava. Hmm. But maybe it'd have been hard to take that. I'm glad we went there, but I don't know. Would you go back? Craters of the Moon? Um, I, I would go back to, um, was it, you know, did we go to Yosemite? Yeah. Or was it Yellowstone? Where, where, where's um, where's Wyoming? Wyoming, Montana. We one, were, one of the, I think it's Yellowstone. It's one of the first national parks, right? Um, yeah. That I we're would go faithful. back to. All faithful. Was oh, there? That was, and that I was a go, bust. Well, you and I had more fun watching everybody waiting for the geyser to start, but well, those Japanese I would go tourists. back because there are areas of the park we didn't see, and there's some some really beautiful vistas. But you know, for what for what time we had, we did a good job. I thought. The, the surprise of that trip was that Beartooth Pass. Oh. And we let the only person that could not drive drive it. <laughs> the worst driver a, drive it. He did a good job, but right, you and but, I were petrified. Yeah, right. You and I, the two best drivers are petrified, and we let the worst driver drive it. Right, yeah. 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 Now, that was not, 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 not a road I would go on again. <laughs> well, no, you wouldn't go on it again. Um, although, as I said before, like having done it, would we never? I think it was a lot of fun to do it. I guess now that I know what it is, I'd be, I'd, I'd be more attuned to understand it. We were also in a hurry. We wanted to get through because we wanted to get down before dark, and we were trying to get to Bozeman and da da da. So that well, was also an issue. also, I don't think we realized we were on the Bear Pass. No, we had no we idea where we were. Yeah, we you no had idea. shown me pictures of it before we left, and you said this would be a fun road to be on. But it turned out that. You know, yeah. yeah we, okay. we had no idea where we were that time. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, what caught your eye this week, Mr. Nash? What caught your eye? Here's what Tim and John found. Mine is a visual one. It is very short, but I think you'll get a kick out of it when you see this. And it deals with our old partner, Volkswagen, specifically in Europe. Now, VW parks things like VW.com or Volkswagen.com, but the individual countries and dealerships have their own social media so they sometimes have to park their own handle i'm not sure why anybody didn't pick up on this one it's a visual thing but it's volkswagen italia all in one word unfortunately if you look at it quickly the only thing you see is the word genitalia <laughs> which is you know um, so a user noticed this on Reddit and thought it was a very unfortunate thing because when you put, I'm sure they didn't even think about it, Volkswagen, Italia, put it together. And from the G forward, you get genitalia. Volkswagen genitalia. That's, I like <laughs> Having that. a genital reference on the name of a popular automaker's social media account is not ideal for the image of the brand. The marketing guys in VW Italia could avoid the confusion by following the example of their German comrades who opted for the at Volkswagen underscore DE for Germany um, is free of anyone. That's free of any unwanted references or the French one, which is VW underscore France. However, to Italy's defense, options including an underscore like VW Italia at Volkswagen underscore Italia and VW underscore Italia were already taken. 
Uh, if you're wondering who got the best names, well, Volkswagen obviously is by the corporation. At VW is taken by the Americans. So at Volkswagen is the German or the European side. At VW is the American. But um, that's that's my whole thing. It was really just one of those simple little social media things gone awry. And do you see it on this? If you're watching on YouTube, I have a screen up of their social media page, which I'm sure they're seeing it as Volkswagen Italia. But now that I've seen it, I see Volkswagen genitalia. <laughs> Do you see it, Tim? Yeah. Well, had they spoke Vol had they spelled wagon correctly with an O, it wouldn't have been a problem. But yeah. Know. Well, no, no. Volkswagen, W A G E N, right? No, but I'm saying had they spelled wagon correctly, W A G O N, oh, oh, oh. as, bum, as bum, in bum. not the brand name, but bum, bum. Yeah. yeah, you know, you know, we would always say Americans would spell wagon W G O N. <laughs> yes, it's true. It's very true. Volkswagen, not Volkswagen. So. Well, you know, when I worked at SaladWorks, they had, they had SaladWorks Cares, which came out SaladWorks Scares. <laughs> but that came from the brilliant, the brilliant marketing mind from the woman who also did My Box. Is fresh. My box is clean. My box will make you money. Don't forget my box is white. Yeah, and you're looking around the room like, does anybody else's? Is, is my box is clean. My box, my box is, is fresh. fresh. My box is white. And my box will make you money. <laughs> And you're looking around, looking for. I actually can, thought it was one of those ridiculous, you know, the, the, camera. the Ashton Kusher thing. Yeah, like mm -hmm. you got to yeah. be kidding me. And the woman next to me goes, "Oh, we're way past that. We're way <laughs> past that." This was the owner's wife's idea. Oh, okay. My box. So, mine, uh, mine is short too. Mine comes from us from Lake Elmo, Minnesota, and the headline is "Long Overdue Book Return to the Library After 47 Years." <laughs> So you remember these Chilt Chilton's uh, foreign I car did. repair manuals? When I worked at Walden Books, these were a big thing. People would, mm -hmm. It was so funny. People these. would come and buy them on Thursday and Friday and return them on Monday. Monday, yeah. So uh, I didn't know you could just go to the library and get them, but people would come buy them and then return them. The, uh, so then they started wrapping them in shrink wrap, so then it'd be harder to return. So this book was, uh, was checked out 47 years ago, and uh, somebody was uh, someone had returned the book with a little note in it. And the note said that the guy, he was living in the Lake Elmo area in the 1970s. He was working on an old Mercedes Benz, had a diesel engine. And he had taken the book out and the book just was at his house. He never got around to returning it and he moved. And the book got packed up and all of the, the uh, hubbub of moving and uh, wherever he moved to, off went the book. And so he had explained that um, as he was downsizing now, 47 years later, he came across the book and realized that he had never returned it back to the library in uh, Lake Elmo, Minnesota. So he sends this note back and he said, my apologies to anyone in Lake Elmo who was working on an old Benz. He said, I can't afford the overdue charges, but I'll, I've decided to send you enough money to purchase another book. So along with the book, he sent a check for $200. Wow, that's a lot, certainly more than the book, right? Right, and he said, I apologize. And, you know, so the woman said that the librarian said that this is the prize. She said the note. So she kept the book in the, uh, in the note. And she, and she said, of course, we can use the $200. Books are expensive. And she said, of course, the library always needs money. She said, we're going to keep the note. She said, the book is a little too rough for us to put back on the shelf. Yeah. She said, but they're going to keep the whole thing as a, because um, she thought it was pretty cool in the fact that somebody respected the library enough to return it, but um, she uh, she was thankful that the uh, the book made it back home. But uh, 
she thought the note was cool that somebody did that and donated the money. I think it would make a good display, don't you? Right. And she says that they, they no longer do fines anymore. And she said so many people take things out electronically. She says that they just don't do fines anymore. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, so Lake. I, that was a good one. So we had Volkswagen and genitalia. We had a return library book. <laughs> now, so what's funny about that, right, is you and I don't ever know what the other one's doing. And here we both did a car thing. A car <laughs> Car related. <laughs> That's true. Right. So, hey, so uh, many of you know that Deep Discount is a friend of ours here on the Focus Group. And uh, you get there by going to focusgroupradio.com, click on the Deep Discount logo. Right now, they've got last minute gift ideas uh, for you. There's hundreds of uh, hundreds and thousands of titles on sale right now. There's movies, music, games, collectibles, and more. And uh, of course, there's always new releases each week. But Mr. Nash, did something strike your fancy this week? I've got two things that I want to share. Yeah, uh, because I, I couldn't make up my mind. And the first one comes to us. At, I never knew this existed. Do you know Catherine Tate? Yes. She does. She used to do all those characters. And she, well, she had a character called Nan who would like basically say all these horrific, not political, not PC things to her <laughs> nephew. Did you know that there was a movie called The Nan Movie? No. It's Catherine Tate. That's funny. <laughs> so here, the, the plot seems pretty thin, but simple, which is a comedy, right? Catherine Tate's iconic character, Nan, hits the big screen as she goes on a wild road trip from London to Ireland with her grandson, Jamie, that's who she always talks to, to make amends with her estranged sister, Nell. The movie has, you know, reviews from two stars to five stars. I love Nan, I hate Nan, but either way, I thought... I don't, I've never seen this. I doubt this is going to pop up on a streamer anytime soon. This is the perfect thing to get. And, you know, at 2179 DVD, this could be a stocking stuffer if you wow. have a, fr a friend who is a fan of British comedy and knows Catherine Tate. My other one, because they recently did a series on uh, Amazon Prime, is the complete collection of the Kids in the Hall show. Now, do you remember Kids in the Hall? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Bob and I still to this day love, love, love the episode where Chicken Lady goes to a Chippendales club and lays an egg and blows up and oh my God. And this, there are the kids in the hall was so fun to watch back in the day and still is so fun to watch. And even their new show picked up on a lot of this. So those are my two picks, the Nan movie and the complete collection of the kids in the hall. And that price for the kids in the hall is amazing. It's uh, 12 discs for 2321. Wow. I think it's a great, it makes a great gift. Wow. I was uh, I was poking around the sale and I came across something that I've never seen before and did not know it existed. And uh, many know that uh, I'm a fan, as you are, of the B-52s. And uh, there's a DVD of a concert they did in Germany. It's just called Live Germany, 1983. 83? Right. And it's the B-52s. It's a DVD of a, of a concert. So it's a live concert they did. And this is when Ricky, um, one of the original members, is still alive before wow. he, he died of AIDS. This is before their commercial success where they did Love Shack and all the songs that a lot of people knew, like Roman stuff. So this is 40 years ago now. Jeez. Um, Fred is playing a toy Mickey Mouse piano. Uh, they brought in horns. And uh, it was right around the time they were releasing the Mesopotamia and the, and the Party Out of Bounds. Uh, you know, right after Party Out of Bounds, that... Uh, Party Mix album and then the mm -hmm. Mesopotamia yep. album with David Byrne helped him with. It's the best, I think, live version of Planet Claire. I, um, 
and they played things like Queen of Las Vegas, which you don't hear them do live, Big Bird, which is another song you don't hear. And I actually went and I started poking around and they had a clip on it that I was able to see. And there was some, it's such high camp, but also bust out loud laughing. You know, the way, the way they're running around, of course, 40 years ago, right? The, the running around dancing and singing is hilarious. And so They um, were in their late 20s, early 30s back right. then. Right. And there's a, there's one point where Cindy, they, they got the bouffants on. Mm-hmm. Cindy and Kate are running around the stage dancing to... Um, I'm surprised to, those uh, wigs didn't come off, right? Yeah. Well, they were to Rock Lobster. And they, you know, with the, with the, you know, there goes another one. And they're, <laughs> they're running around the stage. Fred's chasing them. I mean, it's hilarious. And um, and you just bust out laughing. And uh, they're obviously having a good time. But I, I thought this was a great thing. If anyone's a B-52s fan, only for the, you know, for the history of it. But they've also, they announced their stop touring. So they're on a, yeah. their final leg of the tour. But they did say, in typical band fashion, I don't know if you heard this, just released last week. They're doing a residency in Vegas, in Las Vegas. <laughs> By the way, Tim, we looked into tickets for their, their Vegas show. Whoa. Uh, I don't know, know what they're going to charge. So they're doing they're doing uh, the Venetian. They're going to do x amount of x amount of uh, residency. I don't think it's going to yeah. be like Cher, where she's there. You know, she was there for a year. They won't be there that long, but they're going to do these residencies at certain places. So the first one's going to be at the at the Venetian. We should check and see how much it's going to be. I have to agree with you on this one. I would I would go out and see them specifically yeah. because it's them, and this is a really great find. Yeah. So that was. That was, that was your pick. pick. Live oh. Germany, 1983, the B-52s. And the uh, new release this week is a movie I really do want to see. I did not see it in the theaters, but it got great reviews. It's called Amsterdam. It's written and directed by acclaimed filmmaker David O. Russell. And it's an original crime epic about three close friends who find themselves at the center of one of the most shocking secret plots in American history. Based on facts that meet fiction. Okay, mm. so there's a little blend there. The film stars Christian Bale, Margot Robbie, who I love, John David Washington, great actor, Rami Malek, and Robert De Niro. So it's a great cast. Amazing. You might have seen the ads for this when it was out. It looks really stylish and cool. Definitely on my list. And again, this is uh, $24.99 on Blu-ray from discount. This would make a great gift for a cinephile as well. So recapping for all of you folks here, we have a last-minute gift sale going on at Deep Discount. Everything's on sale. I went with two different comedies. One I've never even knew existed, but it's based on a Catherine Tate character called Nan. It's called the Nan movie. And then I also picked Kids in the Hall, the complete collection. Tim did a deep dive and went back in time and got this amazing pick of the B-52s performing in 1983 in Germany. This would be when they're like at the height, right? Yeah. Well, it totally full before, of energy. Yeah, full of yeah, energy. Be, be, running around doing their stuff. Yeah. This would be a, another great movie for a stocking stuffer. And the new release this week is Amsterdam, um, which is a movie I think again great reviews, great cast, great director, lots of fun to see. Um, so go to focusgroupradio.com, get to deep discount by clicking on the deep discount logo and start your shopping away. We're going to take a really quick break. When we come back, we have our business birthday, and then we have an extended conversation with Aaron McHugh, who has a new book out about pickleball. It's actually called Pickleball is Life. So we'll be right back after this break. You're listening to The Focus Group with Tim and John. Learn more at focusgroupradio.com. 
Now back to the focus group with Tim and John. Available pretty much everywhere. Hey, welcome back to the focus group. Tim Bennett here, as always, with my good friend and co-host, Mr. John T. Nash. We are the focus group. Later on, as John mentioned, right before the break, we've got author Erin McHugh joining us to talk to us about her latest book, her 31st book, I think it is, Pickleball is Life. And of course, we have our business birthday. And uh, without further ado, Mr. Nash. Everyone does celebrity birthday greetings, but the Focus Group is the only show in the universe that celebrates business birthdays. I just realized, John, it's December 7th, which is Pearl Harbor Day, so it's, I guess... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Apropos, we have a Japanese person for our business birthday today. What of course, it's celebrated differently across the international date line, right? Yeah, as they used to tell me, it was December 8th for them. Yeah. So uh, uh, Shintaro Suji, uh, b- born de- uh, December 7th, 1927. He's 95 today. Wow. And uh, he's a Japanese entrepreneur, formerly, uh, it's funny his bio says, he's formerly a civil servant. But he was founder and president of Sanrio, which is a merchandise company known for uh, many characters, including Hello Kitty. So they developed uh, the character Hello Kitty, which, of course, is known globally. And it's not just Hello Kitty. There's Bats Maru. Like, there's a whole, whole bunch menagerie, of right? Yeah. yeah. And there's a special name for, which we'll get into, there's a special name for this um, group of uh, what they call them, kawaii, cute character products in Japan. But uh, so Shintaro, who was born in in, uh, in the Yamanashi Prefecture, he was from a very very wealthy family. He lived a life of luxury, but uh, he was very secluded. His mom died of leukemia, and then he was taken to an abusive aunt um, to go live with her, which was not um, not a very good good childhood for him. And uh, but he learned engineering and. He, uh, it was right after post-World War II, so there was a shortage of everything in the country. So he learned how to do a lot of entrepreneurial um, um, business, so to speak, on the black market. And they said that's what helped him start his own company. <laughs> Seriously? Really? Yeah. Well, so, you know, you had to make do, right? So they said he, he learned, though he, he was well-educated and um, knew the ways of manufacturing and so forth because of after the war and the shortages of things, he was able to figure out... Um, more an entrepreneurial uh, sort of work. So in 1960, he finally founded the Yamanashi Silk Center, which was a textile company, which eventually became Sanrio. And he expanded his enterprise from silk to rubber sandals. He realized if he painted these little, he had these cheap rubber sandals, but if he painted little cute flowers on them, they sold like crazy. (laughs) It's crazy, right? So he he decided, so he went into this, when and focused on these products and licensed of products, um, which are very popular in Japanese pop culture called kawaii, which is a cute segment. So you see lots of those cutesy pastel character uh, things. They said his best known character is Hello Kitty, which is a little cartoon girl cat. And it was one of the most successful marketing brands in the world. Um, besides selling the character, um, the character goods, he also, uh, they also did parts of film production and publishing. They owned the rights to a character called Mr. Men. Also, they had the rights for Peanuts, the Peanuts characters in Japan. And uh, he noticed the success by just um, taking some existing cartoon characters and putting them on other products. So he did that with Snoopy, for instance. Um, He would take a lot of these American characters and put them on Japanese products and license them and made a ton of money. He also did uh, animatronics, you know, the moving Mm -hmm. moving characters. 
and uh, so he he also <laughs> talk about doing everything. He also owned the franchising rights for KFC, yeah, the KFC <laughs> Kentucky Fried Chicken um, in Japan. He also um, added to the lineup um, some other sort of feline cats. He said that the interesting thing about Hello Kitty, Hello Kitty had no mouth. And I never realized that until I looked at it and realized it had no mouth. She, It's weird, isn't it? So he got they got sued by a Dutch company that said that Hello could Hello Kitty looked like a a a, a rabbit that was from Holland called Miffy. So there was a lawsuit, went on and on and on. The Dutch uh, took him to a, some international court. They ended up agreeing to disagree, and uh, the settlement ended up being that they both the the, the Dutch company and Sanrio gave money to uh, earthquake victims. There was a, a, a donation was made, and they both kind of went their separate ways. He ended they up both went their separate ways. Okay, we'll take. Yeah, care they of they agreed that you know that's not Miffy, that's not Hello Kitty. We're going to okay. agree that they kind of look the same, but they're not. Okay. So they ended up, but they also own two theme parks. One of them's called Puro Land, and one of them's called Harmony Land. Uh, I guess similar to kind of a Disney thing. He retired from the company in 2020. He thought of killing himself, but he decided not to. He went and got a polypectomy instead. Said he thought of suicide, but I guess he went out and got some polyps sticking out of his belly instead. And uh, gave the company to his grandson. So uh, that's it. Happy birthday, Shintaro. He's 95 years old. 95. God, well, that's, hey, he's still kicking, right? Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, it was funny because uh, there were a bunch of other births. This, this was a popular birthday day, December 7th, but we've never done the, uh, the Hello Kitty, the guy who developed Hello Kitty in the company. San Rio. So. Yeah. Empire. Yeah. So that's our business Empire. birthday today. So as promised, we have uh, a a fun guest joining us who used to uh, be a very frequent guest of ours when we used to uh, be in our studio in New York, Erin McHugh. She's a former publishing industry executive and an author of many books. And, and Tim, by the way, um, I want to apologize for my graphic design sense here because why? this is a small fraction of Erin's books because actually there's about 31 titles. I don't, two, four, six, I think I got here 10 of her. I've read all these, but, uh, you know, she's a, she's a true working author. What do we always just say? She's well, her well, job title is author. <laughs> author. Well, she'll actually tell us it maybe even be more than, more than that. I think maybe she's got 40 books. I looked at this collage and I think there's even more books. Oh, there is. Here, yeah. But, uh, there's, there's a couple of favorites and she has a new book out, which is perfect for the holiday season called pickleball is life. And uh, the book was just released last month, so it's uh, the perfect time for her to come on and join us. We haven't had a guest on in quite a while, so we're happy to welcome uh, author all the way from South Dartmouth, Massachusetts, Ms. Erin McHugh. <laughs> How are you, sweetie? I am so happy to be here with you guys and from the audience that I don't know, but you know what I know. You know, Erin, you were, um, I was just looking at some pictures, that one of our favorite pictures. You were our first guest when we left Sirius and began doing video and podcasting. That's and it could have been the book, um, the Tea Party book, was that? Because that was 2016? Possibly, I, uh, or maybe the political oh, yeah. <laughs> I think it might have been political Or one stuff. good, no, it wasn't one good deed. Second, wasn't second chances. No, one good before that. But yeah, I'm like a groupie, I follow you guys anywhere. You also were our first guest host. John had taken a cycling vacation to France, and uh, I had needed, um, I could not do the show by myself, and, and, and I think John could, but I could not. So I had asked you and Mary Seton Corboy from Greensboro to join me 
uh, in studio. And so you and Mary were my co-hosts that day when John was that's in a, France. That's a long time so ago. You were, that was a long time ago. So we did our, you were our first guest host. But the listeners remember you. And of course, uh, and of course, we love having you on and excited about Pickleball. You know, I hurt my, I'm, I'm jealous because Pickleball seems to have taken over the world. And with my knee and my eyes and everything else, I can't, I can barely walk, let alone play, play any sport. But, um, I was curious about how the whole pickleball thing started with you. And, and, uh, before we get into catch up with some other stuff, maybe just let, let's, let's do the business piece first and, and, and learn about your latest book. Okay. Well, I, um, you know, I moved from New York, um, uh, and, uh, back to my, uh, hometown of South Dartmouth, Massachusetts. And I had recently, when I turned 50, 60, yeah, I was turning 65, and I was running up subway stairs or running across the street to catch a light, and I had gained too much weight, and I felt like a little huffy and puffy. <laughs> and I thought, all right, this is it. i got to go do something. So I went to Weight Watchers. God knows why I didn't go when I was 38 and so much cuter. But I went, and bing, bang, boom, I lost 30 pounds in 15 weeks. Wow. And they kept it off. In fact, I, I think I lost at least another dozen pounds. So then I moved home and there was, a, and I thought, you know, the next step would be to uh, start exercising again, but I sort of couldn't get my mind around it. And I used to play a lot of tennis when I was a kid uh, and a teenager, um, and, but then stopped when I came to New York because I was in publishing. So I made zero money. At the end of the week, I'd have maybe $7. So the choice would be, can I find three other people to play indoor tennis with me? Or I could take the $7 and go to a disco. And you know what? One for the next 42 years. So I had done nothing. but like sitting down for 42 years. So somebody introduced me to Pickleball. And I thought, oh, this is fun. So we started playing and we started looking for courts. And there's a court in back of me now because it was a tennis court that wasn't being used much. Uh, owned by the Quaker ladies next door. And so I got permission from them to put up a court and off we went. And it is, I think, as my subtitle says, as a lot of people will tell you, it's pretty obsessive. Aaron, what is, wow. so is pickleball like a, you know, I, I've, I, I wanted to like come new to this. It's, it's, I've observed it. It seems to be wiffle ball on a tennis court. Uh, it's a little like that. The court's about a quarter of the size, John. So it's very manageable. And I think this is why you find that it that uh, it started getting a foothold, say, in the early 2000s in a lot of the um, retirement communities and, you know, all the places in Florida, Palm Springs, California. Um, now, it uh, and partially due to COVID, because people with their families who were their pod inside their homes they could all go out together and do this one thing which was great for them and they could get outside and also get some exercise and hang out together so that now the average age of a pickleballer is no longer your grandfather's it's 38 and falling back <laughs> so, so would yeah. you say it's so, um tennis meets ping pong yes and some would say also and bad, okay i get um, it okay because it's about a quarter of the size of a tennis court. And you're right. It's an oversized ping pong paddle. So it's light. And uh, and a wiffle ball. So also light. So the hitting of it is much less um, tough on your body. So if you've got a bad shoulder, Tim, bad knees, bad hips, 
uh, you're going to be able to, and you usually play doubles. The whole thing is a lot more forgiving. So you don't you right. don't have to move like w Tim and I once saw Martina Navratilova play doubles out in uh, Indian Wells years ago, and I had never seen a tennis match. And I sat courtside, and all I could think of mm -hmm. was, "Oh my God, what an athlete!" Because the back and forth, the back and the boom, the na the no this, the noise the ball made. So this is different because the court's smaller. The ball doesn't move as fast. It's lighter. The t rackets are lighter. So this is all just about a, a being able to move and have fun. Well, I would say that the ball can move a lot faster <laughs> than tennis. Okay. As a matter of fact. Um, and, you know, there's, there are people that uh, we call bangers who just want to play. Uh, and a lot of times they're men. And, you know, they want to play bang, 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 tough tennis, show off. And then there's something called thinking, which is when you just get the ball just over the net into this little spot called the kitchen. So if you watch a uh, if you watch a, uh, a a YouTube video of uh, professionals playing, it's a lot of thinking. And then when you know a good uh, an opportunity comes up, then the banging starts. Starts. So it's it, it, so it's listed as the fastest growing sport in America. So what what's the origin of the game? Is it new? Is it how long has it been around? Or so nineteen sixty five. Uh, a lot of people know this is started on a tiny island, Bainbridge Island, outside of Washington, outside of Seattle, and by a family. Uh, uh, well, three dads whose kids. One of the kids were complaining that there's nothing to do as usual, right? And um, so. He, uh, they invented this ball, this game that day, and they used some old ping pong tape uh, paddles and stripped off the the rubber. And there was, in fact, an old wiffle ball set lying around that it was unused. Took that ball and just started making up some rules. So it was these three dads, and they, uh, you know, they went home at the end of the summer, and one moved to New York, and so they brought it to New York. And he was uh, a, a, a a sort of an international businessman. Although his daughter told me recently, spy. Um, <laughs> and it, they'd go to Singapore and Jakarta and all over the place. And they bring pickleball with them wherever they like, you know, wherever they move. And also one of the other dads uh, eventually became lieutenant governor. Uh, I believe first was a congressman in the state of Washington. So when he would go out on the road to, you know, do, uh, you know, political, you know, trying to gather up the votes. Uh, I think when he saw the audience getting distracted, he'd say, let's go play some pickleball. <laughs> and he always had a, you know, a set in his trunk. So I think he was, he was the guy who had the, he was the guy who had the relationship to where I went to college in Marietta, right? That's <laughs> right. He was a okay. preacher. Uh, yeah. Right. Okay. Well, that's, so is this, it's funny you said, so is it played now internationally or is it just an American thing? It is. It's international and it's gaining a, a big foothold. In lots and lots of countries, the next question a lot of people ask, and, and I, maybe you two wouldn't ask, but um, people who are so interested in pickleball is, well, when will I see it on the Olympics? But mm. there, there, there are funny Olympic rules, uh, I'm sure many of which we'll never you know, know the truth about. But the first is, in order to even be considered, uh, you have to be actively played. Now, I don't know what that means, but it's got to have some sort of, a, again, foothold in the country in 75 countries around the world for men and 55 for women. Wow. So, and, and it's gaining on that. It's certainly in the 60s and uh, 50s for, for, you know, 40s and 50s for women and into the 60s for men. So it'll be not so far in the future, I think. Aaron, I can't believe that there's 75 countries that are doing the skeleton racing. Yeah, and, good uh, point. Good oh, point. Get to look. Yeah. 
<laughs> right. Because he's done with them, they've got to come out with the flag thrown on and a helper. Right? Yeah. So, Aaron, um, so you, 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 you. There's so many fun places to play in New York. Yeah, oh well, yeah, I know we, we have a lot of space for it. Well, some good spaces for it. Is, you, you mentioned some strange terms that I don't think anybody would ever recognize from even the world of tennis. You know, like some people still don't know what love is, like that whole thing after, you know, the match keeps going. Right, right. What is one of the oddest rules that people have to learn about the game? Uh, there are a couple, there are so many of them, really. Uh, a few are, you have to say the score before you You have to. Because you okay. And doing the score is confusing, so it's a, a good it's a good way to you know try to get your memory to work. Um, and so you've got to do that, or technically you lose a point. But really, what it all turns out into is in, into is you know somebody yells, "You didn't say the score." Well, the score is three, two, one. No, it's not. It's four, two, one. You know, so there's a lot of that. Um, there are. Uh, there's a there's a rule, for example, that if I you serve cross court like tennis, but and then the uh, so that person is standing at the baseline and the other person is standing near the net, right? Uh, if you if I serve and on purpose hit the guy at the net, which is not the intended place the ball should go, it's my point. Oh, <laughs> well, that's pretty yeah, good. That's a weird one. Yeah. Yeah, it's a weird one. It was made, made up guy at a guy whose last name was Nelson, and uh, I think not not a very well liked guy. And they call it the nasty Nelson. <laughs> <laughs> I have friends down here in Rehoboth Beach that have picked it up. Mark, Mark and there. Carl, John, now have become obsessed with it, and it's just it, it's funny. So your book, Pickleball for Life, that um, just launched is. Are there other books out there like pickle, about pickleball? How how is yours different? Is there it... are a couple, and there's now pickleball for dummies. Mine is different because it's a gift book, as you can see from the cover. See the martini glass? That's a corner shot martini. Yeah, um, I've got a second, so it's and, half and it's source a good, book. It's like a good have, size. Uh, see, it's a good size. Yep, for four by eight, um, four by seven, and also, and it's beautifully illustrated throughout. And guess what? It's only eighteen dollars. Well, how can you get change back from your twenty? <laughs> It should have been an advertising get changed back from your 20. So it's uh, I wanted it to be sort of half source book and half humor. Um, my editor said to me, do you remember the preppy handbook? And I thought, wow, you're right. We'll make it like that. You know, it could be full of it could be full of, you know, uh, it's got a Venn diagram. It's got lists. It's got stories. It's got funny things. It's got recipes. So it's got something for everybody. And it's just. Um, and it's a ton of fun. Now, I, you might wonder how often I play every day. Wow. Wow. I prefer it if I can play twice really? a day. How yeah. long does it matter? Is it called a match? How long do you play yeah. for? Actually, you know, you play a game, game goes to 11. It can last three minutes or 20 minutes, you know? Um, so usually play an, an hour and a half. I play usually an hour and a half. Um, occasionally I'll play three times a day. But then the visiting nurse has to come and pry me off the couch so I can make a little pasta. Is there a pickleball outfit? No. Well, you know, <laughs> you see in the book, there's a bunch of different. Uh, I, I put I had a different bunch of different ways and and sort of nicknames the different ways that people uh, dress and play. You know, there are people who are sort of like the nouveau slob kind of people. You know, 
And there are people who dress like pros. Even the pros don't dress that pro. You know, this. So it's sort of all over the place. It's, it's pretty schlubby. Um, but, you know, as always, there are people who buy all the equipment. Right. The greatest and the slimmest, blackest clothes. The, I should talk. The ninja look. I've got on black, right now, black fleece-lined leggings and a fleece turtleneck. So I'll be going out later. But I'm pleased to see you're still in your New York uniform. I'm still all black. <laughs> right, going to New York where I'm black. When I worked at Subaru, that was always the running joke. Every time we, we were in Philadelphia, so every time was be, we'd have a meeting in New York, everyone would say, what are you wearing? Going to New York where I'm black. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. would wear like, you know, <laughs> down in Philly, it's Paisley's and, you know. Yeah, if you wore a collar or plaid, plaid like yeah. I am now, you were at it. Right, look like, right, right. Looked like you came off the moon. So in Rockwood Beach, Tim, does the color uh, palette change in the winter for the, or in the summer? Yes. I, well, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's like the shining down here now. I mean, there's not much going on. Um, I think my, myself and the, the woman across the street uh, who travels more than anybody I know at, at 84 years old, um, we're the only ones on this street right now. But uh, everyone Tim else is, is going Tim is to great Florida or Tim's wherever. Gone it's it's yeah. another it's, another winter in a summer town. Yeah. So it's yeah, but it's 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 a little crazy. What? Um, so these tournaments, do you do, do you go to any of the or will you go? Are you do you think you're a good player? I think I'm a good player. OK, I'm we, not a good player. There is a, uh, you know, a, a rating system that goes up to five oh at the top. Right. Five oh four oh four five. You're very, very good. Um, I am my, on my best day. I'm a three five. But, you know, the thing about pickleball is, uh, you know, pickleball is life, of course, is, is the title. Um, thing about pickleball is, is it's very kind. So I'm going out later this morning to play with a bunch of people um, who are mostly in their 80s. And somebody, a wow. friend of mine, 78 and way better than I am, is um, has uh, wanted them to teach her all her friends to play. One guy is 92, the retired doctor. And they've gotten really good over the last year. But again, then, you know, I, I've been teaching kids in a, uh, girls in an elementary school. So I'm teaching fifth and sixth grade graders. So it's really, really all over the map. Wow. Um, so, um, you know, it's, it's, it's kind. And so you try to play up and play down. Do you know what I mean? Everybody wants to play up right. in any kind of sport, you know, because somebody, you play with somebody who's better than you are and they're going to help you out and give you some tips if they're nice and, and better your game. But you also, when you play pickleball, I find like, you become a little bit of a missionary. You know, you want everybody to feel proselytizing about the game, eh? Or, or you want everyone to come in and see how much fun it is because there's loads of laughing, which is why, you know, it, it, it got us through pickleball. And I've been thinking about it a lot. And although, you know, pickleball is life for me, now pickleball is my job, which how can you? Speaking of job, Aaron, when John did this graphic of all your books, how, how many do you know? Oh, how she many knows you have how many. Written? Yeah, thirty-one. Thirty-one. Do, mm-hmm. You know, this this might be an unfair question, but of all the books you've written, um, is there one that surprised you, um, either in its success or people's reaction? Like, is there one that was just a surprise for whatever reason, whether good, bad, or indifferent? Is there there one you that know, stands out? I, 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 yeah, you know, a couple. I would say, like my mother always said, which I think you guys are in, included in, is you know stories and and sayings that mothers said to their kids, and people loved it. And I sold a ton of them. I loved one mm-hmm. good deed. 
Oh, that's my, mm-hmm. one of my favorites. It was in diary. It's out of print now. It's in diary form. And I uh, tried to do a good deed every day for a year. Small. And I, uh, I realized as I went along, because I kept a blog alongside of it, that people liked the small ones too big. And they felt like, uh, you know, you were asking too much and you were intruding into their day and, you know, it got to be too much for them. So um, one of the things, one of the great things about One Good Deed is occasionally I would hear from somebody and they would say, we're reading One Good Deed for our book club. And the next month we're going for the next month, we're going to do a good deed every day. And when we meet, we will talk not only about the book, but about the good deeds we did and how it made it feel. And that made me feel like about a million bucks. Yeah, wow. one good one good deed is a book that I pull off uh, the shelf uh, fairly frequently, and you could page to any yeah. part of the book, and I'll sometimes duplicate a story that I've read. But it's always it's a, always a great way to you could either start your day that way, or after a crappy day, pick up one good deed, and you'll suddenly be like, oh, okay, things aren't so bad. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for saying that, because and you're not alone in saying that. It makes me feel great. I yeah, I really love the, but um. The pickleball book was is certainly the most fun I've ever had writing a book because you know I because I, I'm so uh, obs- obsessed with pickleball and because it's so <laughs> exciting for, for me you know every bit of it and the researching and the rules which I you know I had to like pick apart because sometimes they they are hard to understand um, uh, it was a lot of fun and, and and as I was going to say I've been thinking about you know pickleball's life is the name of the book but I was thinking. Well, why isn't life more like pickleball? Because <laughs> uh, pickleball is kind, it's inclusive, it's easy. You can always get better. It doesn't cost anything. Um, it's you know, social. Yeah. Yeah. Why isn't life more like this? So, you know, people who follow you on social media, and uh, we're talking to author Aaron McHugh, I'm always fascinated by you. There, there's an ice cream shop, I guess, in your town. And so, and you're always first in line. Is it in April? You're the first one to get the ice cream cone every year. March. Um, there was one down the road for me. I was always the first person there too, and they have closed up. But yeah, this place I've been going to has been open. It looks sort of like it's from the Jetsons. You know, Very old cool. Old fashioned place. Yeah, and it's been around since I think 1946. Now, in about 1956, my dad started taking me and my cousin Mimi on Friday nights. So it's gotten to be, you know, it's, it's, it's a great, it's a great memory. And I have this theory about, I might've talked about this in one good deed. I have this theory about going, what I call going for ice cream. Right. It is always happy. Mm-hmm. And what it's, when you go for ice cream, it's not that time. It's all the times that you went for ice cream, all the memory, it becomes a memory bank of all of what it means to go for ice cream and who you went with and your family and being a little kid and the beach and the winter if need be or, or, right. or whatever. Um, I like to go, who doesn't? I like to be places where everybody is happy. And that and that's one of the things about pickleball. Everybody's always pickleball happy. Pickleball and ice cream, soft serve or <laughs> that Coney dog. Well, and you're right. And I went on the last day of two of well, it's funny you said that because I think John and I both do. One one things we one of the things we learned in One Good Deed was to whenever you see a lemonade stand for oh. little kids is to stop and buy. And yeah. ever since ever since you've done that, I've told everybody, friends down here, because all the little kids down here in Rehoboth have lemonade stands, and we'll stop. And it's the stickiest little cup, oh, you know, well. a Dixie cup first. So <laughs> right. picking up on what Tim said, Aaron, I was on yeah. like a 
50 mile bike ride upstate during the summer and I was way up above like almost near Albany. And I, 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 I went down to like half a bottle of my second water bottle and I go by a lemonade stand with a kid holding up a huge cardboard sign that says lemonade, the road's empty. So I stop and I hand the empty water bottle to the kid. I said, fill her up. And the mom and the mom and dad are there and, and he fills it up and the mother's like, it's homemade and you, it was delicious. And I always carry like singles and a five or a, for this exact thing. So I had a, I gave, the, I think I gave the young kid a 10. I hope so. You ordered it. Yeah. And, and so the father goes, do you want change? I said, no, not at all. I said, you, you just filled this and this is a really great thing. And, and the little boy looks at, he goes, is this big? You know, he looks at the bill, right? And the dad goes, that's a big one. That's a big one. You have to save that. <laughs> so I rode, I rode away. I was like two miles down the road and I had some of the lemonade and I was like, oh my God, I should go back and have get a recipe. It was delicious. But yeah, it makes their day, right? Oh, absolutely. And yours. Mm -hmm. And yours. Right. We all know it's the dirty little secret of volunteerism that you always feel, you know, end up feeling better and than the people anybody. you're helping. Yeah. All right, well, we got to wrap it up, folks. Uh, we are talking to author Erin McHugh, and I'm going to put her graphic up here. The book is called Pickleball is Life, The Complete Guide to Feeding Your Obsession, and Pickleball has become a national obsession. This book is what we call gift giftable size. It is filled with wonderful illustrations. It shows you all about the game, tells you the rules. If you're new to this, in fact, this would be a complimentary gift. If you're giving someone a pickleball set, you need Pickleball is Life. See, there you go, Erin. For Christmas, yeah. right. And um, I want to just go back quickly and show you the, uh, a sliver of Erin's books. She has, read, she has written wonderful books. Some of our favorites we discussed earlier in the interview, like One Good Deed, uh, like my mom always said. There's also Like My Father Always Said. Another one that I loved is called Second Chances. I remember when we interviewed, in, interviewed you and talked about that. So Erin, we want to thank you for coming on the show again. Let me show people again. It's Pickleball is Life, the Complete Guide to Feeding Your Obsession. At bookstores everywhere. <laughs> and online. There you go, Mr. Bennett. Good show. Um, we're going to wrap things up. We want to thank our partner, Deep Discount. Uh, you go to Deep Discount. You get there by going to focusgroupradio.com. Click on the Deep Discount logo and start your shopping experience. We like getting credit for that. And they love our listeners. All your Christmas and holiday needs are there. And uh, as we always say, and we want you to pay attention to this, let me put it up. Don't text and drive, folks. Arrive alive. Tim and I have seen a lot of bad driving on the road lately, and it's always someone with a phone sure. on the steering wheel. I just don't get it. It's not that important. <laughs> You're driving a car. Okay, so stay, you know, stay healthy, stay safe, and we'll see you in the new week. It's The Focus Group with Tim Bennett and John Nash. Accessible on all platforms. Subscribe, like, and rate us on your platform of choice. Learn more at focusgroupradio.com. That was a stunning focus group.